Welcome to the Coptic Cafe live podcast, brought to you by Anafora Radio. Welcome everybody to the Coptic Cafe program. Thank you for joining us. We are blessed today to have uh, Father Daniel Habib with us. Uh, and uh, we are very fortunate and lucky for the topic and the guest speaker. Uh, thank you, Father Daniel, for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Father Daniel, of course, is a priest of uh, St. John Chrysostom a Church uh, in Laguna Niguel, right, Abi? Or That's exact, right. Right. And uh, Abuna has, uh, uh, this is a, the American Coptic Orthodox Church. Uh, Father Daniel, of course, has a master's in, uh, in theology from Holy Cross, and uh, he's currently studying for a PhD in uh, uh, Fordham University um, Seminary School, um, religious education, right, Ibuna? That's exactly right, Ibuna. On a very interesting topic, the religious education through the homilies in the Coptic Orthodox Church, right? Right, right. So we have the right guy for the right topic. <laughs> I hope I can help out. It's a, it's a big topic, but we'll try to talk about it. And my whole goal today is to convince people that this is important to pay attention to at home. Very good, Ibuna. So let's start with this. Uh, obviously, everybody um, is aware of what's going on, and uh, a lot of people are shelter in place and staying home, have a lot of time. And uh, your topic, Ibuna, hits home because uh, this is a perfect time to think about these issues. So how about I leave Otsek to uh, give us an introduction of what the topic is for today, the sacramental life at home. Okay. Um, it, it's, it's really a very simple, Ibuna, uh, speaking to you and to speak with others. We know that the Orthodox Church, like other Orthodox churches in the Catholic Church is what we call a sacramental church. A sacramental church is that we not only believe everything that's written in the Bible, uh, but that in our own practices, we unite ourselves with God through the sacraments, something that we do that's extra than just trying to live a good life and uh, read our Bibles and, and do no harm to others. We want to learn to, you know, love our enemies and so on and so forth. But we believe, uh, as Orthodox Christians, that we're not able to do it fully and completely without having the sacraments in our life. So the sacraments have always, you know, been taught to us as the seven sacraments. The seven sacraments, though, was um, something that came out of the 12th century something that came out of the 12th century uh, from the Catholic Church as a nice, simple way for us to learn about the sacraments and for us to teach the sacraments. However, uh, the Orthodox Church, as well as the Catholic Church as well, they would, they would agree to this, that it's not only seven sacraments. So then we're asked, okay, I know the seven sacraments. What does it mean that it's not only the seven sacraments? So we have to expand our understanding of what it means to be a sacrament or sacramental. And that's really what we have to get at here tonight is to understand that the sacraments are, you know, there's the definition, the general definition is that there's something uh, spiritual and then there's a grace and then there's something human or, or material. And the, the, the material, the, 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 the creation that we're using, whether it's water or bread or wine or oil, or incense, or icons, whatever, yani, there's something that we have physical that is connected with a spiritual reality and is being made present to us. And that's, um, you know, kind of this, this, this hidden grace being made visible through some sort of ritual, prayers, and so on and so forth. Right okay. now... No, sorry, um, uh, we understand uh, when you, you, Otsek, you mentioned sacraments, uh, the seven sacraments in church, the communion, the confession, baptism, and all of that. When you say sacramental life uh, at the home, what do you mean by that? What does that mean? So we take, we take our understanding of those seven sacraments and we begin to apply them at home. And we get to apply them in, uh, first, we, we have to understand how to apply them outside of the seven sacraments. What does it mean 
a sacrament that's not one of the seven. So, for example, very simple, in our liturgical prayers, we have what we call the blessing of the water. It's not one of the seven sacraments. However, if you listen, uh, if you're paying attention during those prayers, I know it's a kiss. <laughs> We're calling on God to send his Holy Spirit upon these waters to yeah. sanctify these waters. So we have the water, we have the prayer of the people that's part of the sacrament, and then we have this water that's there for a blessing. Uh, this is just one simple way of looking at it. But even we look at uh, the reading of the Bible. Uh, there are words on the page. But through the inspiration and the, and, and the work of the Holy Spirit in those written words, we are inspired towards the Christian life in a way that no other book can do that. Because all other books are, you know, for the most part, not talking about spiritual religious books, but like, you know, the same words that you find in, in a chemistry book could be in the Bible, but the chemistry book does not have that added layer of divine inspiration that transforms what we're reading into something mystical and spiritual. Uh, Father Alexander Schmemann, who's one of uh, the, lead, the leaders in the Orthodox world on talking about liturgical theology and speaking about sacraments, when he wrote about the Eucharist, which when we think about the Eucharist, we think about it as one sacrament, but he says, no, there's seven, or no, there's like up to 10 or 12, I think he had in his opening chapter, or in, his, in, in the table of contents, about all of these are sacraments. One of them, the first one is, he called the sacrament of assembly. What is the sacrament of assembly? It's where we become not just Joe and Tommy and Lisa and Mary together as a group, but all of them become the body of Christ in the church. There's a sacrament there where we become more than what we are just if we are part of a Rotary Club or a Kiwanis Club or any kind of a club out there where we're just two or three people. But what Christ says to us, where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be with them, and they become the body of Christ. And in the early church, they would go to the assembly. They called it, they didn't say, I'm going to church. They said, we're going to the assembly, the synaxis. We're going to be, uh, uh, become the people of God. And, and why is this so important? Because how many of you, I know you've heard this before, how many people have said, I'm not taking communion, so I'm not going to church. Or I'm not taking communion, so I don't have to go to church. Or what's the point of me take, going to church if I'm not going, going to be part of communion? They don't, they lack the understanding of this idea that this is a sacrament where we are gathered with the people of God and we become part of the people of God and we receive those blessings. Uh, although I might not be able to partake of the body and blood at the end of the liturgy, I still am being blessed in so many ways, shapes and forms. The, another thing that's sacramental in the liturgy is I put uh, a few dollars of donation in the box those two or three dollars are taken by the church and from the church it's used to purchase the flower the flower is used to make the urban the urban is turned into the body and blood of christ my money that i put in the church is being used in a way that transform is being transformed itself it's not simply i'm putting two or three dollars but i'm making an offering to god which he accepts and that sacrifice he unites with the sacrifice that's on the altar. Um, and this isn't supposed to be a stretch or some mental gymnastics. It's really about our entire life. So now we go home. What do we do at home? All the sacraments are meant to transform us, to change us. And so we are being transformed and changed in church through the sacraments. But when I go home, how is that life reflected at home? How am I living that life of peace and reconciliation and assembly? How am I looking to what I learned in church and applying that at home? Before, when we were able to go to church, that was like the seven years of, of fatness. And now we're going into the seven years of famine. Hopefully it's not that long, but we were, we were enjoying it and we were really uh, with God and, and, and elated. And now we're finding ourselves, okay, type. What am I going to do at home? How can I be part of the church at home? When every time we pray, we're standing with the church. We don't realize this, but we're saying we believe in one God. Our Father who art in heaven, grant us, even if I'm standing by myself, grant us to be children of light, children of the day. I'm, I'm gathered with the church in prayer in a mystical way. It's not a way that replaces the physical and the tangible, but it is absolutely the way 
that all the anchorites and the people that lived in the desert by themselves and those who are monastics, all of them lived this sacramental life in their cells alone. And we have to rediscover this in our prayers, in our ascetical labors, whether it's our fasting, our prostrations, um, our, our service at home, um, and, and our activities uh, that we do for those who are around us, all of that becomes sacramental. And if, if we had time, we can go into, uh, you know, a mother preparing food for her children is very similar. Abuna, forgive me if I'm, if I'm pushing the limits, but it's very similar to the priest and the church as a mother preparing the physical, the spiritual food for her children, uh, the church. And so why, why, do we have to, yani, why do we have to have this mentality at home? Because we're called out of the church and we're supposed to continue the liturgy outside. Everything that we learn and we practice in the church is so that we can mimic it and copy it and do the same at church. How can I do the kiss of peace in the church and outside? Uh, it's not a kiss of peace. It's a, a kiss of gossip, a kiss of uh, what's the latest news about uh, this person or that person. It's, it's opposed. It's two different things. And now we are able to practice that kiss of peace in a different way at home. We're able to practice confession in a different way. I, I upset my spouse before I sleep. I say, I'm sorry. And she is able to practice the, the forgiveness element of that. I forgive you. This is, if, if, if what we're doing in the church is not reflected in the home, then we're wasting our time in the church. And now we are trying to reflect, and it's almost like we were practicing before. Now let's see how real we are about it. How serious are we when we hunger for the word of God? Think about this, Abuna. How many people have asked you, uh, what's the latest I can come to church? Is it okay for me to take the body, uh, to take communion if I just make it to the gospel? Or even some have very just flagrantly said, I'm only going to come for the gospel. How hungry are we to hear the word of God if that's the attitude that we have? And we have to say, no, there is the sacrament of the word which takes place. And that includes not only uh, the, the readings, but even the homily. And, it, it, and the, the homily is something that is part of the sacramental life in the church and should be also part of the sacramental life at home where there's teaching, where there's teaching and there's education and there's growth. So I have a few lists of things that I just put out. I've said them, but let me say them clearly. You know, we have prayer in the church and I have prayer in the home, whether I'm alone or I'm with other people. If I'm alone, I'm with the company of the saints. If I'm alone, there's nothing stopping me from calling up a, a brother, a sister, a good friend, and everyone should have a good friend uh, to pray with. And if you don't have a good friend to pray with, you ask God to send you a good friend to pray with. Uh, you have this prayer, you have somebody to pray with, and you, you say, God, where two or three are gathered, uh, you said you'll be in their midst, so be in our midst. Um, and being in, in the midst means we're united with him, albeit it's not in a perfect way. And even though, forgive me, in the divine liturgy, the body and blood is the most perfect way we can be united with Christ, but it's not complete. It will be perfected in the age to come. So what we're doing in the homes is a symbol of what we're doing in the church, and what we're doing in the church is a symbol of what will come. And so it has to follow in this, in this way. Uh, we have prayers in the church, and the prayers in the church are not just me, 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 for the church, the peace of the church, for the patriarch and, and all the bishops and priests, for all my brothers and sisters, for the salvation of the world, for the air of heaven and the entire environment. All of this stuff is, um, is meant to be prayed for at home as well. St. Paul says to St. Timothy, we have to raise our hands in supplication and prayer for all men everywhere. In, in his first epistle to, uh, to, to Timothy. Then you have the materials in our lives, or in the church and then in our lives. We have the bread that's consecrated to the body, the wine, the oil, the, mat, the water, all the materials of the church. St. Clement of Alexandria writes about the rich man, and he says, all of your possessions can be, uh, are neutral. They're neither good nor bad, but all of them can be used, and he uses these words, to deify you. Why? How? You can become like God 
in the use of your possessions, if you use them for good, if you use them in His service, if you use them for His will, then you become like God who is generous, loving, caring, compassionate. And, and He told us, not only with our, uh, in so many different ways, but especially says, whatever you did to the least of these, my brethren, you did to me. So now we go home. How do we practice this at home? Whether it's with our sharing with others in the house, uh, how we deal with our Bibles, our rooms, our possession, even our food. Don't think now, how many have practiced with food? How many have said, okay, I need to collect enough food possibly for two weeks? And then how many have gone overboard and said, I don't know what's going to happen. Let me just hoard as much food as I possibly can in my, uh, in my house, whether it goes bad or not. Yani, at least I have it, right? How is that? Uh, how am I looking at the food? It's possessive. Imagine Abuna, the priest in the liturgy, says, I'm not giving this, to, this body to anybody. This is all mine. It's the most precious thing in the world. I don't know when's the next time I'm going to have it. I'm going to take as much of it as I can and give just little pieces. to. No, that's the economy in the church is more of a, everybody gets equal share, even the babies, even the infants, even those that are um, unable to, to, to articulate their belief in Christ, but are being brought on the faith of their fathers or their mothers, whatnot. So this is a way that our possessions are also, how we look at them has to be in a sacramental. They're meant to transform us, not to make our kingdom here on earth. The sac this is meant to transform us to be in the service of God. Um, one of my sons came and opened the door and left it open. Can you close that, please? Sorry, yeah, we're just gonna wrap. All right. Now, um, thank you, Abuna. I just take a second to uh, welcome everyone and thank everybody for joining us here on the Coptic Cafe program. We are blessed and beyond fortunate to have Father Daniel Habib with us and uh, just speaking gems to us and teaching us about the sacramental uh, life at home. And um, when I have touched on so many things, uh, uh, it's very practical. It's, uh, it speaks to the time. A lot of us are at home and uh, uh, it's just um, brilliant how we are putting the, the teachings and the orthodox meaning um, behind what we teach in the church and how to practically apply it, uh, at home. Um, or just real quickly before I give what's like a chance to continue, uh, we have a question um, from the room here. Someone says, uh, does Zoom uh, meeting count as uh, uh, where two or three gather <laughs> in my name? I'll be in the midst. Because uh, it looks like you were speaking about the sacrament of assembly, as Father Schmemann mentioned uh, in his book. I, look, yes and no, right? We're doing the best that we can. And the best that we can using the technology. What did they do uh, centuries ago? Uh, or what would have happened centuries ago if we were dealing with this without this technology? I do not know. Um, uh, what, I would, what I believe and what I feel is confident that in, with all of us, um, and I have to be very careful because I don't want to use my words to be used to sort of into morph in this tele-evangelist type style where you can attend the liturgy over the internet. We have to be clear. I don't think, for example, I could celebrate the liturgy with a bunch of people over Zoom, and that counts as a congregation and as us gathering together in one place. So there's where the shortcoming is. However, in spirit, we can gather. And in spirit, we gather with a specific focus on Christ. And I believe in those, uh, in those places, this is exactly what we're doing, practicing what we learned in the liturgy, applying it to our home life, first and foremost, with your family, with your kids, with whoever it is that's living with you. And if nobody's living with you and you're living by yourself, you're able to practice this with the saints. How many of the saints were able, you know, Pope Carolus with Merimina, uh, and so on and so forth, are these all just stories? Or can we say, God, I have nobody. I have nobody with me. I want you to be with me. And we know from that beautiful story of St. Karas that uh, when, when he was being visited, he lived with nobody. And as the story goes from the Der, Der Suryan, the Syrian monastery, said that 
the day that uh, uh, Pambo went to him, a great light filled his cell and he was cast and he was, he, he left. And then, and then uh, Pambo comes back to St. Cross and says, what great saint was that that appeared whose light was so overwhelming that I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stand to be in his presence. And he said, that was no saint. That was our Lord Jesus Christ. And he was so overwhelmed. Said, our Lord appears to you and St. Cross says, our Lord, my, our Lord appears to me every night. And his, his explanation was, I have nothing. I don't even have the comfort of a monastery that you have the comfort of, the brothers, the sisters, and the luxuries of the monastery. I have nothing out here. And God has become, has, has become everything for me. So even if we're alone, we're with the company of the saints. And we also, thank God, we have this technology where we have Zoom and we have uh, phone calls and FaceTime and all these things so that we can use it. Why? For, for, for good. And this is for good. Um, but I don't want to. I don't want to be uh, making a commentary or, or or breaking. I don't want us to break the idea of this. We're doing the best that we can. But uh, what's better, right? To be together as a group, um, uh, and that's what we have to struggle and strive for. So it's like you were speaking about um, uh, the what we have at church and what we have at home uh, in terms of prayers, material, um, and. Um, if it's like you want to go on and also uh, what is the end point? Um, is it supposed to change us? Uh, how can we be transformed by uh, all of these thoughts and ideas? And it answers one of the questions that came in before the show about uh, how are we supposed to think about uh, the sacraments, uh, especially the ones that are generally practiced in the church, but now we are unable to do that because of the situation we're in with the coronavirus and lockdown and all of that that's going on here in uh, America in 2020 in March slash April. Uh, Abuna, forgive me. Uh, we have a consumer mentality when it comes to the sacraments of the church. We have this idea of I have to take, take, take. What do I get out of it? I didn't get anything out of it. Or if I go to a talk and I don't hear anything, I didn't get anything out of it or it didn't, I didn't benefit from it, or if I'm not going to take communion, it's not going to be, uh, you know, what's the benefit of me going, or, uh, and, and so on and so forth. This consumer mentality is killing us when it, when it comes to what we're supposed to do in our real life. So, for example, um, service, right? The liturgy is a service. It's, it's, it's a ser literally, we're offering a service to God. It's our worship and it's our service at the, at the same time. When I leave and I go home, there are so many things that I can do in my own house to serve. It can be those who are with me, or I can lead a service to those who are around me. Uh, what, what is stopping me uh, from being able to take what I've received, the body and blood of Christ, and being able to share it with somebody else through service? St. John Chrysostom embarrassed the churches uh, that he was uh, patriarch over, maybe it was even before him. And he says, you are so eager to serve the altar, which is in the church. But before you serve there, you have to serve on the, serve Jesus Christ on the altar of the poor. He says, God doesn't, Jesus doesn't want, or God doesn't want chalices of gold. He wants hearts of gold. And, and you can't neglect one altar uh, in favor of the other. Or you can't do service on one altar with and neglect the other. And, and, and this is what we're discovering now. This is what we must discover now is that other altar, that altar which is first and foremost in our home. And from there, we have to move outward to our neighbors and, our, and those who are, are in our circle of life. So for example, uh, I talked about repentance. Practicing repentance on a daily basis in our houses. I don't have to wait until confession. I don't have to wait till I go to see the priest. Maybe this situation is going to last for a long time. I'm not supposed to wait. I'm supposed to repent in my room every night. And with my repentance, I can add fasting. I can add almsgiving. I can add prostrations. I can add other services to this. This is all uh, St. John Chrysostom speaking about it on wealth and poverty. I think uh, this third sermon. And then and then, not only do I practice repentance, I practice forgiveness. I'm on the other end of it, where somebody has wronged me. And we have to remind ourselves, like Christ said, 
if you come to the altar to offer your gift and you remember somebody has some, your brother has something against you, first leave your gift, go be reconciled with your brother, then come back. Now is the time for us to reconcile with our brother and everybody has a brother they need to re reconcile. Everybody has to call up to that person and say, look, I don't know what I did. I must have done something wrong. Something went bad. Forgive me. And we, we try as much as possible to practice what we've been receiving. If you do not forgive the sins of others, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. This is, again, after the Lord's Prayer on, in the Sermon on the Mount. And then, of course, we practice love. We practice love for our enemies. We practice love for our brothers and our sisters. First, we have to learn to love those who are around us. Secondly, we have to learn to be able to go expand our ability to love uh, those who are outside of us. Uh, these are, this is all of these practices. Um, and, and of course, uh, the literally, what I said about sermons, reading the scripture. And now the way that we commune with God, now the, the way that we're limited to communing with God, to having God speak to us and we speak to him is through the word of God, which is powerful, and through, uh, and through the teachings of the fathers, the teachings of our mothers, spiritual mothers, the, spe the, the teachings of the church. We have so much at our hands, but he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is what we have to do. And this is what we must do now. This is the, the, the best we can do in terms of the sacramental life. So when we look at those sacraments that we're missing, um, are we really missing them? I mean, we were used to taking it every week without maybe sometimes enough thought, enough, enough uh, preparation. Now we have this time to prepare. And, and God forgive those who do not take this time to prepare because God willing, there will be in one of two instances, <laughs> there will be a time where we're going to take communion again, or we're going to be united with God again, either in this life or in the life to come. So either way, we have to prepare ourselves both ways. And to come not, not uh, so um, easily uh, to partake of communion, to see how valuable it is in our lives, but we have to examine ourselves. Examine what the life that I was living in the liturgy, life of reconciliation and forgiveness, life of uh, service, life of offering, life of uh, assembly, all of these lives together, all of these things that I'm doing in the liturgy, how is it reflected in my home? Now's the time where I, I have to stay at home, or for the most part, I have to stay at home. And then there's another one of one, not to, I don't want to just think about those who are stuck at home. There are a group of people, Abuna, that we have to pray for, that God support them and help them because they literally are doing what St. John uh, Chrysostom was talking about. They are the, the front line, the first responders, the doctors, those who are dealing with COVID-infected uh, in, individuals. And they are uh, nervous for their own lives as well as trying to understand how to serve. And this is all over the world. These these individuals are practicing that sacrament of service and sacrifice and even possibly martyrdom at the end of the day. Uh, there, are, there are people that, in the stories every day, this, was a, this person was a nurse, this person was a doctor, this person was an ambulance, whatever it is, they're coming and, and this is a different way that we're practicing. So now we have to reflect, do the sacraments, have they transformed me into a life of joy? into a life of peace, into a life of love, into a life of service. Okay, what did I do wrong if it didn't? It's not A plus B equals C in the sense that it's just a formula. Go to confession, take communion equals you're okay, you're good to go. Is there real transformation in my life? And I have to be able to examine and analyze and sit with myself. And I have to take this period of great Lent to reflect and to ask God, okay, help me to, to improve, help me to do better. This is from me being the least to the greatest uh, uh, of all the people in the church. We all have to reflect and be transformed because it's, St. John says, it's, it's a transformation from glory to glory. It doesn't stop. And it's not going to stop even when we get to heaven. It's going to continue that we're continuing to go from glory to glory, being transformed um, and united more and more with God. I can unite myself with God anywhere, anyhow, any shape, with whatever. I can meditate on the work of God in creation. I can uh, thank God for his, his uh, when I say thank, like Thanksgiving, like Eucharist, I can give thanks to God 
any time of the day, every time of the day, through what I'm doing, thank you that I can breathe. Thank you that I can make this sandwich. Thank you that I can do laundry for, for the, the family. Thank you that I have this opportunity to even be with you during this time. Not to be anxious because I can't partake of the Holy Communion, but to be use it as a preparation because we know, um, you know, there were the saints, of course, that would take communion every so often in the year, but they took it uh, intentionally. They took it purposefully. They took it after a long preparation. Um, uh, Abuna, I think this is a time of, of revolution for us and a time of rejuvenation. When we are in the valley of the shadow of death, we have to ask ourselves, what are we looking at? And all of these practices that we learned in church are also supposed to continue in our lives and transform us in our, church, in our homes as well and transform our homes. Transform our homes so that others see and, and it's, it's almost like evangelization towards them. We're evangelizing to the world through our firm faith and hope in Jesus Christ and our, our, our work and practice, what we continue to do um, in this life, even though the walls seem to be caving in and everything seems to be going from bad to worse at a very fast pace. And, and we watching the news and we're communing with the news and that we're letting all the anxiety of the news come inside of us. And uh, as someone has said before, when the boat is on top of the water, like Noah's Ark and is on top of the water, everything is safe. But when the water starts to come inside the boat, then it starts to sink. And this is, this is why the sacraments are there to protect us and to keep us safe. That even though I, I, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Even though things might be coming difficult, I don't know about mortgage payments, I don't know about my job security, I don't know about whether I'm going to be able to uh, see my, my, my parents or my whatever. All this anxiety that comes into play now, God is supporting us through this work that we're doing, the sacraments of the church, as well as the sacramental life at home. It's for our benefit to take it. Thank you, Buna, very much. You're watching um, the Coptic Cafe program. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we are speaking about the sacramental um, life at home. And uh, Abuna, you've um, uh, addressed a lot of uh, uh, incredible and excellent points about transforming our internals, basically, to be prepared for times like these, transform ourselves, transform our homes. And uh, Otsak, you mentioned something important, and that is um, guarding against anxiety. Uh, before we go on, uh, I'd like to give the participants a chance to um, learn where to follow Otsak or uh, if Otsak is doing any uh, broadcasting or any talks, uh, how can we uh, watch or be a part of it or go to links or anything like that? Does Otsak have anything organized? Yeah, so listen, Abune, I'm totally out of my element. <laughs> I always thought that... Um, you know, I, 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 I don't like to do this type of, I'm, it's awkward for me. I don't know how to do it. I'd like to see people and see faces, but I felt, I felt a need uh, with the separation to try and connect people and give people hope and courage and strength and things to work on. So I started for our church, a YouTube channel. Um, I don't know its exact name, but I think it's, um, uh, S, I think it's Saint ST space John Chrysostom. Good luck learning to spell that. St. John Chrysostom, OC. Uh, and you should see a picture of... Uh, uh, so I think if you, sh if you, even if you search Daniel Habib, I don't even think you'll find those videos. I'm not good at that stuff. So I'm just putting out something almost daily or every other day. And then I'm also praying at 8 o'clock tonight. I'm just going to turn around and start praying the 12th hour uh, here. And it's meant to just encourage people to pray. Um, you'll hear my kids come and, and they'll pray and we pray as a family and, and that's just encouraging your families to pray or take that time to pray. And then we have on Sunday the Liturgy of the Word, which around 10 o'clock, I just did it last week, we'll do it again this week. We read all the readings of the Sunday and I give a homily. Um, and uh, that's, that's the best I can do for now. I'm trying to do some uh, a Bible study, but I don't know if it's going to be Zoom. We did Zoom one week, and then we did YouTube, and now I'm going to go try to go back to Zoom. 
this technology is dizzying and I, I need a staff of ten. Good news is uh, we'll be able to include the link in, uh, uh, in the chat or when we send out uh, the notice for this episode to be uploaded through uh, Anafora Radio. Uh, we will have the links uh, readily available and it will work. I just wanted to know if OTSEC has such a place and where people can go. Uh, also, if you'd like to um, uh, support Abuna's church, Abuna is uh, the priest of St. John Chrysostom, American Coptic Orthodox Church. Uh, does your church has, have a website as well, Abuna? Or? Yeah, stjohnoc.org stjohn should take you there. Um, as far as supporting the church, Abuna, you know, uh, our church, we're just renting a small space. Uh, but there are other churches that, that need uh, the financial support. Of, uh, thank you, Abuna Bassiani. Listen, when we, when we get, when we get there. Sure. Last so um, uh, back to, uh, we're on, we are over half of the time, Abuna, at 7.35 already. Uh, time flies uh, yeah, when it's <laughs> in one, one target after another. Uh, let's get back to the anxiety uh, question. Um, and also if Otsek can um, address uh, in, in their, um, I'll ask Otsek some of the questions that came through the, the Q&A. Okay. okay. So, so Abuna, we're, we're being, we're being overrun with anxiety and you watch the news you watch uh, not just the news, but you just from the stories that you hear, even over the phone, Facebook, whatever, it's, it's, it's hitting us from all angles. Um, St. Paul, of course, in his letter to the Philippians, um, and, and it should be noted that he was in prison during this time. He said to them in chapter four, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he's, he's taking us from anxiety to prayer. And in our practice, anyone that's practiced this will know the Psalms, the Psalms are beautiful. And, and, and we have to, in our prayers to God, be patient. Uh, I love Psalm 39, Psalm 40. I, I patiently waited for the Lord um, uh, to, to hear my cry, uh, he lift me out of the miry bog um, and set me on a firm place. I'm paraphrasing, forgive me. And he says, and many around me will see this. Um, and he put a new song in my mouth. This is what happens to those who wait patiently for the Lord. And if I can uh, give another reference, I'm, I'm reminded again of Lord of the Rings, um, the Battle of Helm's. Helm's Deep or Helm's End, somebody else can help me with this. But it's this huge battle with all these orgs, these disgusting guys coming, like hundreds of thousands of them against the castle, and they're fighting and they're fighting. And, and they're at this point where they just got nothing to do, or nothing that they can do else. And then Gandalf comes with his army to save them. Abuna, it's, it's one of the most beautiful sights. You, you will see that you feel the gospel message in there. Yes. Yes, this is, this is what we're waiting for. And when we focus on, on God and we have our hope in Him, we become uh, like Susanna. Susanna, at the end of her, um, her, her, the trial, and she's saved and said that all the assembly shouted loudly and blessed God who saves those who hope in Him. So hope is the antidote to our anxiety. <clears throat> And our lives are transformed from what we see, how we're anxious about what's going on around us, to focusing on Him and hoping in Him and knowing that we have to patiently wait for the Lord. And hope is only going to come through prayer. Hope is a fruit of prayer. And that prayer has to be, first, we have to remind ourselves of the Word of God, remind ourselves, who is the God that you worship? Who is He? Is he a God that's weak? Is he a God that's unable to stand with you? Or is he not the God that said to Moses, I have seen and heard the cries of the suffering of the people of Israel, and I have come down. I have come down. And that's, that's the incarnation. He's not a God from far away that says, okay, okay, I forgive you, just be okay, and, and don't worry about what you did. 
He comes down and he saves us and he's with us. He was with the three holy youth in the fiery furnace. Who answered Nebuchadnezzar and said, I don't, I, we don't know if he's going to save us or not. And it doesn't matter. We don't have to answer you in this. Whether he saves us or not, it's up to him. But we're not going to worship your God. And that can be in a way that we say, we're not going we to fall for this, what's happening in the world. I'm going to be confident that either here in this life, things will get better, or if not, in the age to come. Because I'm a sojourner. Now, sojourn on this earth, I look for the resurrection of the dead. My home is not here. Whatever happens to me, it's okay. I'm going to be with God. And think about somebody like Lazarus and the rich man like we were talking about. Did God leave him? Did God abandon him? Did God let him suffer? Excuse me. All of that, St. John Chrysostom handles in on wealth and poverty. And he lists all the ways that, that, that Lazarus suffered. And yet, in the end, when he died, he was taken by the angels to the bosom of Abraham and was told, Abraham, he, the, the rich man was told, you had your good things. Lazarus didn't. So even whatever happens to us, whatever presses us, whatever kind of we feel the, the pressure of it, we know that God is the one who's with us. He sees everything. If you give a cup of water to somebody, you won't lose your reward. So the same is true of any suffering that we go through in this age. Uh, we are just, we're asked to, a, to, be, to be vigilant, to be uh, faithful and honest. In the case of uh, Lazarus Sabuna, uh, also St. John Chrysostom brings up uh, the point that Lazarus had no uh, precedence for what he was going through. So he couldn't be comforted by saying, look at so-and-so and so-and-so. Yeah. They, they endured it and they were fine. He was literally the first of his kind including Job, because um, although Job suffered a lot, but Job also tasted the wealth and uh, to be a rich man at the beginning, something that Lazarus never experienced. Exactly, Abuna. That's yeah. beautiful. Exactly. So, um, Abuna, uh, we have um, some good questions as well that uh, I wish Utsak can comment on before we go on. Uh, again, welcome everybody and thank you for joining us here on the Coptic Cafe program on Anaphora Radio. We are blessed to have Father Daniel Habib, the priest of St. John Chrysostom Church in Laguna Niguel. Uh, Abuna, a couple of questions came in, uh, one anonymous and one from Mina Anwar regarding the communion. Uh, one question says, um, I, I, get, um, uh, trend, I feel more transformed by reading spiritual books than attending the liturgy partaken of the sacraments, or even reading the Bible. The spiritual books does it for this person. I feel like this is a reason that I'm not uh, upset by this quarantine time. Can you comment on this, please? And I'll lump in Mina Anwar's question as well that came in, because he said, do you fear that after this is all over, people would be discouraged to go to church and take communion since they were able to manage by staying at home? So um, regarding that, I would say, Abuna, and, and uh, please uh, add to this, I think it's, it's um, you have to be careful uh, that there's, there, there has to be a balance in a spiritual life. So if there is all personal spirituality and no communal spirituality, uh, then it's unbalanced and it can lead into a very... Um, almost you can say it's been written diabolical way where you can be led off in a, in a certain direction and then of course all all communal and nothing at home is also terrible now when it comes to reading the spiritual the writings of the of the fathers is that what he said the spiritual writings of the fathers uh, just uh, spiritual uh, books yeah so spiritual all of them have their foundation in the scripture or they should have their foundation in the scripture the fathers wrote about the Bible. Uh, so it's important not to just, I, I mean, look, there are spiritual writings out there that can be self-help books in some way, shape, or form, which is all good, okay, and they might do it for you. Excuse me, or they could be, you know, if you love uh, apologetics, and it's a spiritual book that helps you when it comes to apologetics, or it can be a spiritual book about the liturgy, but all of that is talking about um, it, it, it almost assumes that you are going to go deeper both into the prayer life as well as into, as well as into your own, the reading of the scripture. 
Now, when it comes to the church, the church I'm not going to because there's a great group of deacons and Abuna's got a great voice and it's a nice show. No, even I have to be there, even if my enemy is there, I have to be able to go, love my enemy, be in that place. Even if the, the chanters and the deacons are screwing up the hymns and everything is disorganized, I have to be able to pray. I have to learn to pray. Um, you know, my spiritual father very early on sorry, said to me, you have to learn to pray even with wild beasts. That's what the monastics did. They, it's not like God sheltered uh, St. Anthony or, 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 or St. Mary of Egypt so that she felt beautifully air-conditioned in the desert all the day all, and she had a nice breeze and, and there were no scorpions or snakes. Right? She had to learn to be among all of that. Yet, she still understood the importance of communion. And that story of Mary, St. Mary of Egypt, which um, we'll be coming on to pretty soon, was a story to teach St. Zosima that there was somebody better than him. Not that simply it was a story about St. Mary, but, but God was revealing to him somebody better than him. And that's a common motif in the fathers. Now, going back to going to church, there, there's a loss here. And, and if you're not feeling the loss, um, think about that. Why? I mean, communion, I cannot commune with God without the sacraments. I need the people of God. I need the body of Christ. I need to be united with them. Uh, now, when I go to church, is it always supposed to be this as beautiful as reading the writings of St. Isaac the Syrian? No, because one is, is a lot of work, which is church. I come out of church as a priest exhausted. Um, my kids come out exhausted. People who really are in liturgy from, day, from the moment we, we hit go or say go are exhausted. It's work. And that work doesn't stop when Abuna says, go in peace. That work means, you know, go and take the peace that you've received and share it with the world. So we have to have this balance between our spiritual life at home, where we close the door, enter our room in secret, and there our, spirit, our, our Father who hears us in secret um, will reward us. And church, where I as a community... I, sorry, I as an individual who's praying at home and living a life of prayer at home, I'm coming to church to be among other people who pray at home and uh, we're coming to become the body of Christ. So I, I don't mean to be a little bit, um, a little bit hard on you, but I just want to make sure that there's balance in your life and that, you know, the only reason there should be something that, uh, well, I won't, I won't, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. Abuna, did I miss something of that? Because I'm, I got a lot no, going no, on my screen, so no, Absolutely right, Yibuna. There is, of course, in the Orthodox Church, there is no substitute for communion. And um, all the books, like Utsak mentioned, and even the Fathers, were founded in the sacraments and participating uh, in the Church. So the communion happens to be this most unique sacrament that cannot be replaced by anything else. So I agree with Utsak, of course, as you mentioned, uh, it's excellent to have the balance where you have the readings, you have the understanding, you have the Bible, you have the sacrament. Uh, but it's not like if you just leave out communion, then you're 75% balanced or 80% balanced. It's not uh, that way. Uh, we have another question, Abuna, since Otsek spoke earlier uh, in the program on forgiveness. And uh, it comes from Anonymous. Can you expand more? on reconciliation versus standing up for yourself dilemma. What if someone I live with has wronged me and doesn't apologize for something extremely wrong and hurtful that he did to me? How would I live with myself and what to do? Would I apologize for something that I didn't do? Or perhaps forgiveness may forgive that person, but what would I do after the forgiveness? Back to normal relationship, though he did not apologize or how? Long question about extremely important, I think. So what's that about forgiveness and someone who did something terribly wrong but didn't apologize for it and you know, could be breaking a marriage, breaking a vow, uh, cheating someone out of large sums of money or whatever, the wrong is. <clears throat> uh, 
Abuna, I think um, this is a very uh, tough question, but what, um, what it's important for us to understand, number one, is that forgiveness is a journey. Forgiveness takes a long time. Forgiveness is not something that an apology can even help me. Sometimes the apology does nothing. Uh, there's this really intense, intense Abuna book that I read for one of my classes um, uh, that spoke about a woman who her sister, when she was 18, her sister was kidnapped. And for something like 20 years, she knew nothing about that. And she was very angry about that. She knew nothing about her, what happened. But eventually she picked up the pieces and moved on. Then 20 years later, it was discovered that her sister's body was in the home of a famous serial killer. Her bones were found discovered there. And the serial killer had done, you know, was, was in jail for so many atrocities of one I don't want to even mention. Then she became infuriated and even more angry and all that emotion that she had left 20 years ago had come back to her. But she decided that she said, I'm going to try and learn to forgive in this situation and to discover something about the, my humanity. And Abuna, the, the journey of her forgiveness not only led her, she said, first, I had to forgive myself because I had committed so many sins myself. And when she said, she's like, I'm looking at him, he murdered my sister, but I've committed two abortions in my life. Or I don't know, she had like three. This was back in the 70s or even before then. And she had grown up in, I think, Ireland, whatever it was. There, there was, so she's like, I'm a murderer. Too. She came to realize herself, her own sins and her own. And she, she had to examine herself for a long time and repent of that. And then when she approached this idea of forgiving the other person, to make a long story short, it, it not only helped her to forgive, but she went into the prisons. And she started to teach the prisoners to learn to forgive and to, be, and to seek forgiveness. And this was... So what happened was the power of forgiveness in her life transformed her and helped her to transform others outside. So for the person who's asking this question, forgiveness is a journey and it takes a, a lot of energy on our part to learn to repent fully and completely of our own sins, as well as before we begin to say, look, this person did X, Y, and Z against me. I have to learn to say, I'm not an angel. I'm not, you know, Archangel Michael or, or pure or sinless. I have my own things that I first have to repent about. And then when it comes to being reconciled with that person during this process, of course, it doesn't mean you're going to become buddy-buddy and best friends with that person. But God begins to heal what's broken inside of you and give you that love towards that individual, even though there's safeguards and it doesn't mean I'm going to let this person uh, do the same things over and over and over again. However, I must learn to forgive in a real way and it take and I have to give it time and energy. Not God help me to forgive. Amen. But I think I think Ibuna, sorry for interrupting. What's that? Uh, you bring up um, a very important point, and that is oftentimes uh, we think about our own doing, and when we look at the person that uh, did the hurting or the the insult or the offense uh, we may uh, re-examine and find that we didn't do anything to that person particularly or specifically and that's kind of where uh, a barrier comes between forgiveness versus not but Otsak you bring up the good point of evaluating my own self to see uh, if I, I offended the Lord in some other time, some other way with other um, in the people involved or whatever, and come to terms to repentance and repent from um, these things. And in the process, you're healing yourself and uh, you're putting yourself in a better place to do forgive genuinely. But like Otsak said, you don't have to return back to uh, the normal relationship as long as a person who committed the sin is not uh, remorseful, has not repented, and has not offered any uh, uh, forgiveness. And, and yeah, I want to be clear. It's not the person's fault. You know, if you're the one that wants to seek forgiveness or you want to, you're having a difficulty forgiving the other person, I'm not saying it's your fault and you have to focus on your own repentance. No, there's something serious there. However, the road 
to forgiving the other person has to include your own repentance on that road. Uh, not that sins that you committed against that person, but yeah, like let's said, other sins. And then, and then it's it, be patient with yourself and with the situation. Um, forgiveness is possible through the Holy Spirit and through the work of God within you. It's not. There's no situation where forgiveness is impossible, because Jesus Christ showed us through His forgiving us, even uh, how egregious our sins were against Him. Uh, against God, he forgave us. Even it says, St. Paul says, when we were enemies with God, when we were still enmity with him, he forgave us uh, and redeemed us. So this is our example, and this is our direction, and this is your cross that you have to bear. Um, and you ask God to give you the patience and the endurance. And this is also uh, quite possibly uh, your, your ticket to sainthood. You know, if I can say that loosely, you know, your ticket your ticket to a, a nice uh, a place. Thank you, Abuna, very much for uh, clearing that up. Uh, uh, and thank you all the participants for joining us here on the Coptic Cafe program on Anapora Radio. Um, we are blessed to have Father Daniel Habib. Abuna will come up on the end and uh, I'll leave it up to Utsak uh, about the time. I know you're uh, a kind of... Uh, I have, yeah, I have a, an eight o'clock, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna just start streaming on my website so they'll yeah, know that I have something. Some more questions? Yeah, you can. Well, let's let's handle some well, more questions. I won't keep Otsak long, but we still have about five minutes left in the program. Um, just to alert Otsak if there's any specific message you want to share. But we have more questions. One question says, does forgiveness have to come with forgetting? And um, I think there's a famous uh, saying, let's bury the hatchet except no one um, forgets where the hatchet was buried. So, or, or, or let's bury the hatchet in your back. <laughs> as so, you, you answered this in that it's a process, obviously, and the grace of God would give us the forgiveness. So it's not necessarily true that forget and for, forgive and forget. It just happens as a byproduct of genuinely uh, uh, forgiving and genuinely being, being authentic with God. And then the grace of God would... Uh, would uh, give us the forgiveness the forgetfulness um abuna i found it now most difficult to pray Otsak, you're speaking about praying uh, at home uh, this is also from anonymous uh, found it most difficult to pray than ever before i find myself spending more time on my phone and god is on and uh, god is on my mind less and less i don't know what to do Abuna, I, I gave a talk on my uh, on the YouTube. I gave a small YouTube about routine, rhythm, and ritual yesterday. A uh, short talk. I encourage you to read it. What it is, not Otsuk, but the person who wrote the question, uh, the, to listen to it. Look, we have bad habits and we have good habits, and we have to build good habits, and they're essential in our life. Those routines are essential. Essential. The routine of you putting on your seatbelt is essential. Um, and that routine of putting on your seatbelt saves your life. And so we have routines of having prayer. Uh, it has to have a time of prayer. Um, and then that time of prayer, I show up for it and I, and I do my prayers. Those prayers are what is, it's not, Jesus Christ didn't say to us, if you pray. He said, when you pray. And the, the, the tradition of the Jews, that they had Psalms and they had hours of the, of the day to pray. And the Christian church took that, where we have the third, the first, the third, the sixth, and the ninth. All of that is telling you there are times to pray. And we as a church have to gather for prayer. And this is, goes back to that sacramental thing. You're not praying by yourself, uh, Mrs. or Mr. Anonymous. You're praying with all of us. We're gathered. We're waiting for you. Um, we're not really waiting for you, but we are waiting for you. We want you to be a, a part of this. Um, this is to encourage you. Have somebody encourage you. Set alarms on your phone and be disciplined. Say, okay, I'm not going to do it. Even if you stand up and your mind is still on your phone, but you're standing up and you read uh, three Psalms of the Agbeya and finish your prayers and, and, and whatnot, you're doing better. You're starting to build that good habit uh, that, that's going to bless your day and, and change you. We have... We're either creating habits which form our lives or we are having habits like the phone and other things imposed on us and form us, right? So we are the gatekeepers of those habits if we are disciplined. However, if we're not disciplined, anything that this world tells you is normal, 
and is okay and is fine, we, it becomes a habit for us. And as it becomes a habit for us, it forms us and it shapes us. However, good habits, good rituals, good rhythm in our life at home, that will also uh, shape us. So have that time of prayer. Don't say, when I feel like praying. No, have that time of prayer. Have that time to read your Bible. Have that time where you're going to have your spiritual book and have your time for the phone, which is, it's okay. Just have that set aside for your, in your life. Thank you, Abuna, very much. And thank you all for uh, joining us. You uh, have joined the Coptic Cafe program on Anaphora Radio. We really appreciate your uh, participation and your questions. And we look forward to have you, having you join us um, uh, next time. Uh, we are blessed to have had uh, Father Daniel Habib, the priest of St. John Chrysostom, uh, American Coptic Orthodox Church in Laguna Niguel. Um, thank you, Abuna, very much for joining us. And I'd love to share with our uh, participants that next week uh, we anticipate uh, to have His Eminence Metropolitan Serapion. Uh, we might come out a little bit earlier uh, live. Uh, we'll share the link with you and all the details, but pray so that uh, God may allow this to happen. Thank you all for joining us, and uh, I wish you uh, a blessed time at home to be safe and to learn from the wonderful teachings that uh, Abuna Daniel uh, has taught us. Thank you, um, if you'd like time. to stick around further, we have more questions for a little bit. We'll keep going with Abuna Daniel uh, as long as he can, and then uh, we'll, clo we'll close out. Thank you for joining us. Okay, Abuna, just I'll tell the people on my, uh, on my station, listen, I know that we had uh, plans to pray at 8 o'clock. At 8, at 8, 10, we'll start. Um, sure, sure. And, Abuna, uh, a couple of questions. Um, one uh, interesting one says, who decided that we have seven sacraments? Uh, so that is, was, is it 12? Is it more? Is it less? No, no. So that was uh, Peter Lombard. I think he was a bishop of Paris in the 12th century. This is where the first teaching of the seven sacraments comes out from. Um, and uh, and that's, uh, that's the simple answer. And then, you know, we, the Orthodox Church saw, okay, that's a, whether it was the Catholic influence in the Orthodox Church or the Orthodox Church saw it as a nice, neat uh, way of teaching about the sacraments. Um, it, it has done damage in the sense that people don't see the sacramental area of life everywhere else. Um, but it also has helped um, for people to understand the sacraments that are essential for salvation or at least important for salvation. Okay, another uh, question was um, uh, regarding the forgiveness one, when we have a lot on that. Uh, does it have to be explicit? Uh, if I fight with someone, do I have to go to her and have an explicit conversation with her about the fight? Or can I forgive her in my heart and um, be kind to her and kind of forget about it. I, I don't know, Abuna. I don't want to split hairs here. First, it should be in your heart. But if, let's say, somebody is, is just the next time they, they confront that person, it's going to just inflame them again with their issue again. I don't want, to, I don't want us to split hairs. Just, I, I would rather that we understand it as a process. And if that process is perfected by going to that person and saying, I forgive you, um, then, then that's good. But let's also, there's stages in that process. First in our hearts, first, first the desire to forget, want to forgive that person. Let's not, I don't want that to be pushed to the side. The fact that you want to desire to uh, forgive that person is, is number one. And then the road and that help that you're asking for God to help you with. Okay, and Abuna, you mentioned uh, about uh, routine and having practice to uh, keep it and um, be di well disciplined about it. A question came about uh, how do you keep from distracting uh, during prayers? It depends. There's lots of distractions. Your 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 reverence knows more than me about this. On, but um, you know, indulge me. I I I had certain things that I did with my prayers. Whenever I got distracted, for example. I remember reading a Pope Shenouda book a long time ago that said, uh, the devil always comes to you and wants to distract you with other thoughts, especially during the time of prayer or that you're tired or not. So he said to me, or he said in his writing, he said, number one, the fact that you think you're tired when you start to pray is just your own illusion. You will gain energy as you pray, especially the Psalms. And I found this to be true, um, even if it's in the middle of the night. Number two, 
He said, um, I don't know if I read it or I just ended up doing this. I keep a notepad next to me during my prayers. And I just write down, okay, I got to call whoever I got to, you know, and whatever idea comes to mind, I just write it down. Nothing is a crisis or critical or is going to fall apart. And what ends up happening is the things that I forgot to do all of a sudden are coming to my mind. And now I have a good list that the devil has helped me to remind me of all the things that I need to do in my, after I pray, but I, that becomes part of my prayer. Now the distractions of I'm looking out the window and whatever, it's nice to have icons. It's nice to have things to be distracted by, uh, whether it's the candles, icons, um, uh, something in front of me, the crucifix. It doesn't have to be a lot, just something. And we're human beings. I can't just become all spiritual all of a sudden. I have eyes that see and ears that hear. So every time I get distracted, I come back. I get distracted, I come back. I get distracted, I come back. We do this all the time in, in the divine liturgy. Um, me, first and foremost, I'm always distracted. Somebody's walking in the altar. Somebody's, you know, sneezing. Somebody's coughing. Somebody's, my mind is always distracted. So I got to come back a million times in the liturgy. It's not a sin uh, that you're distracted. I think it's a sin if you don't come back. <laughs> if you kind of keep going, oh, yeah, that's a nice thought to think about. And you keep... But, you know, that's, that's what I would say. But. Thank you, Buna, very much. It was a, a truly a, a great blessing to have Otsak on. And I hope you can come back on and speak to us more about the routine and the discipline uh, to give uh, people an opportunity to ask more questions. Uh, we are very, very thankful for your time. I want to give you a couple of minutes to uh, just get ready and turn around and go back to your uh, uh, broadcast. But there's an important question that came in and we must answer it. Um, it says, who opened the door? Was it Timmy? <laughs> yeah, it was Timmy. <laughs> Timothy, uh, yeah, he's, uh, they're eager to pray. They, you know, Abuna, I, I'm, my kids and I, we are not saints at all. But what I've seen over this past few days that we've been in quarantine is a beautiful eagerness and an excitement to pray that was never in me as a kid. And so I, I'm, I'm happy to encourage and keep it going. So pray for us, Abuna. And I hope that this was a... This guy is the one that opens my door. <laughs> this is Toby. <laughs> Hi, Toby. <laughs> well, thank, thank you, you. very much for joining us. We look forward to having Otsuk again soon. I appreciate your time. Pray thank you. Pray for me, Abuna. Uh, I wish you well with your next meeting. Thank you. <laughs> Good night. And thank you all for um, joining us, uh, the Coptic Cafe program on Anaphora Radio. The link will be posted uh, soon. And we look forward for your feedback and comments and questions. God bless you and have a great night. Thank you. Bye-bye.